Experience the joy of running in the new Triumph 22 from Saucony, the original running brand. Stacked with luxury foam cushioning, Triumph 22 turns miles into smiles with the ultimate blend of comfort and energy return. Shop Triumph 22 at Saucony.com. That's S-A-U-C-O-N-Y.com. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Grammar Girl here. I'm Mignon Fogarty. This week, I have some quick and dirty tips about how to use an asterisk and a meaty middle about keeping a journal. Let's get started. The asterisk is the little star above the eight key on your keyboard. The word comes from a Greek word, meaning little star. In the past, asterisks were used to show the omission of a letter or a passage in time but that role has largely been taken over by the ellipsis. It's also commonly mispronounced. The right pronunciation is asterisk. You've probably heard it pronounced like asterix or asteric, but it's asterisk. When you use the asterisk as a footnote symbol, it shows that you're planning to comment on something at the bottom of the page. You've made a promise, so you'd better keep it. The first rule for using asterisks is if you use one, make sure the reference starts at the bottom of the same page. Unfortunately, advertisements will often have an asterisk that doesn't refer to anything on the page. It leaves you wondering what the restrictions are. If the ad reads zombie repellent, 20% off, and the asterisk refers to nothing— You wonder whether the discount only applies on certain days or for certain people. Does the discount apply if the zombie apocalypse has already begun? Are zombies themselves excluded from the offer? Chuck Tomasi pointed out that Rich Hall, author of the Sneaklets books, made up a name for the feeling you get when you encounter an orphan apostrophe. Aster exasperation. And here's a little-known piece of trivia— Arnie Ten, the artist who drew the illustrations in the Sniglets book, was also the artist for my first two Grammar Girl books. He's the one who first brought Squiggly, Aardvark, and the Peeves to life, so to speak. So do asterisks differ from other footnote symbols like numbers or letters? Yes, the Chicago Manual of Style says to use asterisks if you have just a handful of references on which you're planning to comment. You can also use asterisks when you need to avoid using numbers or letters for indicating footnotes. However, if you have more than one comment on a single page, you typically use a set of symbols in a specific order. One common sequence is to start with the asterisk and continue with the dagger, double dagger, section mark, parallels, and number sign. If you need more symbols, you start over in the sequence and double each symbol. For example, double asterisk, double dagger, double double dagger, and so on. Note that the order and symbols can vary from style guide to style guide, so be sure to check the specific symbols in order for whatever style guide you follow. 
It's also important to note that the AP Stylebook says not to use the asterisk in journalism writing because the symbol may not be seen by AP computers or received by newspapers. In book publishing, if you need a break that's more significant than a paragraph, but that isn't the start of a new section or chapter, you create that semi-strong break effect by inserting a line with just three asterisks. When you're placing an asterisk in a sentence, you may wonder where it goes relative to other punctuation marks. Does it go before or after a dash, for example? Well, it turns out the dash is an exception. According to the U.S. Government Printing Office Style Manual, the asterisk goes before the dash, but after every other punctuation mark. The asterisk used to be used to omit letters, and there's at least one place where that practice survives. Asterisks can replace letters in swear words you want to sanitize. For example, you could leave the first letter but use asterisks to replace the missing letters, leaving the reader to figure out what the word is, D asterisk, asterisk, asterisk. You could also use a grolix, which is the term cartoonist Mort Walker gave to the string of characters, including the asterisk, that appears in comic books when someone swears. To summarize, the asterisk is a little star symbol which can be used to indicate a footnote or be used to edit swear words in informal text. A footnote should begin on the bottom of the same page on which the asterisk or other footnote symbol appears. Unlike superscript numbers or letters, the asterisk can be used alone when you need only a handful of footnotes in an article or story. If you're an aspiring writer, you've probably heard that writers should keep a writing journal. The first time I kept a journal was in my freshman English class in college. But since it's a new year, and I'm sure many of you have made writing resolutions, it seems like a good time to talk about journaling. Keeping a journal is a very personal thing, so I'm going to give you guidelines and advice based on my experiences. But know that whatever works for you is the right thing for you to do. The idea of keeping a journal is that writers need to write, and you don't always have assignments or projects underway or you have ideas that aren't fully formed and need to be worked out. Your journal is where you work out those ideas or write when you don't have anything formal to write about. You may keep a journal on hand to write down those flashes of ideas that come to you out of nowhere, a great topic for a blog post, a great title for a short story, or the perfect background detail for your main character. That's the kind of journal I keep these days. Or you may set aside 15 minutes every day to write in your journal as a way to stay disciplined or get in the writing spirit before you start working on your, quote, real projects. I know one author who loves to free write a bit before he starts working on his novel. Free writing is when you sit down and force yourself to write whatever comes to mind without stopping for a set period of time. It often helps people brainstorm or overcome writer's block. Some people have frequent dreams and keep a notepad by their bed to write down notes as soon as they wake up. Sharice Wallace, a novelist I recently interviewed for a bonus episode, keeps a phone by her bed and uses it as a sort of journal to write down dreams or ideas she gets when she wakes up in the middle of the night, and then she compiles them every morning into something more permanent. 
Other people like to write before they go to bed every night to get things out on paper and clear their mind. But other people find that writing before going to bed can get them to start thinking about things and then make it hard to sleep. I'm not a big fan of keeping a journal about your daily life, your feelings, and your deepest, darkest secrets. My mom told me to never put anything in writing that I didn't want others to read, and I ignored her advice and learned that lesson the hard way. With that said, some people find this to be the most inspirational type of journaling, that the easiest thing to write about is their personal life, or it's a helpful way to work through feelings. A personal journal can also be the most rewarding type of writing to go back and reread 20 years later in that boy-was-I-a-goofball kind of way. If you're going to keep a personal journal and you want to really explore your feelings, take care to keep it secure. An anonymous blog isn't impenetrable protection, but as long as you don't use any identifying information or leave an obvious digital trail, it can be a safer way to keep this kind of journal because it isn't something someone can find in your room or physically take from you, and you'll never accidentally leave it on the bus. I met one writer who keeps this kind of very personal journal, but keeps them in a locked cabinet and is specified in her will that they be destroyed without being read upon her death. And she's designated a person to do it who's promised to carry out her wishes. So let's say you've decided to keep a journal. Are you the kind of person who'll be inspired by a fancy leather-bound journal or intimidated by it? Make sure you pick something that will work for you. Don't make it feel too special. You can even do it on the computer, Doogie Hauser style. Maybe the best thing for you is something small that you can carry around with you so you always have it handy when you have an idea. I like to date my journal entries, but I can't think of a particularly good reason why you must unless you expect to defend an invention date in court. But it can be nice if you go back to read your journal years later. Also, don't go back and edit your entries. Writing in a journal isn't about getting perfect writing. It's about practicing writing and exploring your ideas. It should be something that won't be judged, graded, or really read by others. It's most effective if it's a safe place for you to experiment. Your journal is primarily for writing, but there's no rule that says you couldn't also paste in pictures or draw illustrations. I've pasted things into my journal that I wrote on other pieces of paper when I didn't have my journal handy. Here's one question I've pondered. Can you spend too much time journaling? I've met people who say they spend at least an hour a day writing in a journal. For most writers I know, at least those who have families and jobs, one of the biggest challenges they face is finding time to write, to work on their book or short stories or blog. So when I hear about people spending so much time journaling, I wonder if it's become a procrastination tool. If you're spending an hour every day on your journal, ask yourself why you aren't working an hour every day on a writing project that'll get in front of readers. There may be times early in a project when you need to spend a lot of time fleshing out ideas. But just because you don't have an assignment doesn't mean you can't be working on writing that could become a project or could be read by people. Finally, don't feel like you're a failure as a writer if you don't keep a journal. I've actually met people who feel guilty that they don't keep a journal. It's a great tool for some people, but if it doesn't work for you, don't worry about it. Maybe try it again in a year or two, but don't think you're somehow obligated to keep a journal just because you're a writer. 
I'm Mignon Fogarty, author of the New York Times bestseller, Grammar Girl's Quick and Dirty Tips for Better Writing. You can find all my old articles and podcasts at quickanddirtytips.com. And you can find me on Twitter and Facebook as Grammar Girl. And in case you can't remember a specific offer or code, you can now find links to most of my advertisers at quickanddirtytips.com slash offers. That's all. Thanks for listening. Experience the joy of running in the new Triumph 22 from Saucony, the original running brand. Stacked with luxury foam cushioning, Triumph 22 turns miles into smiles with the ultimate blend of comfort and energy return. Shop Triumph 22 at Saucony.com. That's S-A-U-C-O-N-Y.com. Earning your degree online doesn't mean you have to go about it alone. At Capella University, we're here to support you when you're ready. From enrollment counselors who get to know you and your goals to academic coaches who can help you form a plan to stay on track. We care about your success and are dedicated to helping you pursue your goals. Going back to school is a big step, but having support at every step of your academic journey can make a big difference. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.